This show was first broadcast on Free FM, Hamilton, New Zealand's community access media organisation. For more information on our lineup of shows and the role we play in the media, visit freefm.org.nz. Welcome to WTS Waikato, a radio show and podcast telling the hyperlocal, controversial and quirky stories of the Waikato region under the new normal. I'm producer Gary Farrow. When Cyclone Dovey swept down from the Pacific, it caused a lot of damage in the Waikato and the rest of Aotearoa. Fallen trees and branches blocked roads and footpaths throughout Hamilton City as well as taking down some fences and damaging other property. But the story of a humble domestic cat's experience of the cyclone, as light-hearted as it may sound at first mention, gives us a glimpse of the much darker side of natural forces. This is the story of Mabel and her owners Kate Prestige and Warren King. And um, uh, my dear wife refers to me as Cat Dad. Um, in fact, she's bought me a T-shirt with Cat Dad on it. Uh, um, so I, I have some uh, feel some some kinship with cats, um, uh, and we've got two cats. And I make a point of getting them inside overnight. I don't don't like um, don't like our cats being outside overnight. We you know we live just a little bit out of town on a on a nice wee block, and there's you know plenty of bird life here. So I want to keep it that way. So the um, um, so the cats are almost, almost always in overnight, except not on Sunday night. So um, I couldn't, you know, I normally, um, I don't feed them until late. So like they uh, hang around and, and I can bring them inside and feed them and, and then and they're inside for the night. But not that, but not that night. She, it was, she was nowhere to be seen. That's highly unusual. It's not like it's never happened before, but it's very, very unusual. And, and part of my incentive is not just to keep, keep uh, you know, bird life safe, but also because if I leave them outside, they'll, Jump up on my windowsill at 3 a.m. demanding to be let in. Not having that. Um, so, um, so, but there was none of that either. So, um, you know, I sort of woke up at 6 a.m. and thought uh, there is something not right here. Went outside and called her again. Nothing. Um, and then walked over to where the neighbours had lost a couple of massive trees um, in that uh, in that storm on Saturday afternoon. Uh, a big, a, a big fir tree, probably ten meters tall, um, you know, a meter in diameter, sort of thing. It was a, it's a huge tree, and it had, it had gone. It's just on the edge of the gully, um, and it had gone down and taken a couple of big blackwoods down with it as well. So it was, a, it was just a huge mess, you know, um, ripped up a lot of soil and and uh, and massive destruction. Um, so I went over there and kind of looked down to the gully and called her again and, and heard something. It didn't sound like a cat necessarily, but something responded to to me, you know, doing my cat call. 
might be a neighbor's chicken perhaps or there's goats around or even you know even a sheep so i thought that's that's odd and it was enough for me to kind of go down a little bit further into the gully and call again and and again was a response and this time i thought that's a cat um so you know this is it's it's still you know it's not not fully light um i'm um, i'm racing down into the gully wearing my uh, wearing my jandals um and get right down to the bottom of the gully and just surround this massive um, pile of fallen branches and leaves and yeah it's it's way over my head i'm sort of snapping branches and, and then calling her trying to get a sense of where she is um and after about 10 minutes of kind of fighting my way through this fallen forest um discovered that she was right right at the bottom right on the ground and pinned by a branch that was probably as thick as my arm um could hardly see it you know I, in fact it was only her She's she's black, so in, in the bottom of this pile of, of of branches and leaves, seeing this black cat was not so straightforward. But I saw her um saw her paws move, and realised that um she had this branch across her middle, and there was no way she could um she could escape. So um, likewise, despite my best efforts, um could not move this branch, not even a millimetre. So um realised at that point I needed some tools for the job. So raced back upstairs. Woke Kate up, woke up um, uh, Eddie, my uh, my eighteen year old, because sometimes he can be quite useful. Um, and Kate went over and got uh, got the neighbour as well, and uh, and so we had a bit of a, a bit of a posse to head down there. Um, I also grabbed my chainsaw; it's an electric chainsaw, thankfully, so it's it's easy to use and really quiet, relatively speaking. Um, and a, a pair of loppers, and and we're looking for crowbars and whatever else we could get. Um, and so get down there again. Um, and uh, and this time, um, you know, I tried to clear the branch off her, but by, by taking a section of the branch that was that was beyond her, the whole tree just moved. So much weight on the branch, the tree just pivoted slightly and actually squashed her a little bit more. So couldn't couldn't tackle it from that end. Had to tackle the branch from the other end, which meant that I had to clear all the other branches away around it so I could get into it. But it took some time. Actually, I have no idea how long it took. Um, Kate. Kate's probably got a better sense of uh, of how long we spent just kind of clearing the branches away and trying to um, not get too much sawdust on uh, and and dirt and leaves all over the cat who was um, pretty distressed. Mm. Um, in any case, we managed to um, I managed to get Eddie and Wayne, the neighbour, sort of lifted one end of that one end of the branch, and I managed to get the other the, um, the chainsaw into the other end, and just eventually managed to cut it through and clear it off her um, and. Uh, and then uh, Eddie had a towel, so we wrapped her in that and, and then passed it on to Kate. Um, and then uh, up, up the bank and straight to the vet. Uh, and she was, um, I thought, pretty moribund, actually. Not a lot of life, um, not a lot of movement, no noise, no no real engagement with the world. Um, and I, I wondered if that might be it, uh, if, if that might be the last we've seen. Oh, should add to this, of course, that, all of the um, all of us, I think, uh, where this big tree had come out at the top of the bank, we were right down the bottom. Um, but where the where the root ball had come out of this tree, it had exposed a big wasp's nest. So we all got stung every time we went past it. It was brilliant, adding, adding insult to injury. It was, it was just rude, rude. Um, anyway, so that was that was the uh, the story of the extrication of Mabel, um, mm-hmm. and um, and and uh, yeah, and three days later, she's. Uh, um, a remarkable recovery luckily despite the fact she was pinned hard to the ground 
um, there was nothing broken. Uh, there was um, no serious internal injuries. Um, in fact, the, uh, the vet thinks that there's probably just some internal bruising. Uh, and she recovered from that. Well, it took her you know, nearly three days to regain her appetite. And, and she actually found it difficult to walk for a couple of days. You know, found very unsteady on her, um, on her legs. So um, I think we, um, I think she's used up some, if not all, of her um, eight of the nine lives, at least. <laughs> she might have one left. We'll have, we'll have to be careful from now on. She, she can't have that many of them left, I don't think. Mm, definitely. So was she missing down there for, for quite a while? She was likely pinned under the um, branch for a while. Absolutely. So I reckon she would, would have been from probably two o'clock on Sunday afternoon until maybe you know, sort of six, 6.30 on, 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 uh, on Monday morning. So what's that? That's what, nearly 18 hours. Mm, so it would have been a real um, battle of wits for her to, to keep just keep keeping on when she was trapped there under a branch and then it must have been huge for her to hear you um, finding her and Kate tells me that you were obviously extremely emotional when you found Mabel in that not in that extremely, not extremely emotional oh, no Gary you wouldn't want to overplay that um, <laughs> but there was uh, you know there was, there was a bit of an edge well no tears exactly were there darling oh, no, there gonna- I'm just going to step in here. Uh, <laughs> so I was I was awake, and it was it must have been about seven o'clock anyway. Um, and Warren usually gets up first and goes off and lets the cats out and checks the mailbox and does all those sorts of jobs. And he'd got up particularly early. And I think Warren, you'd been in you'd been awake overnight, sort of worrying about the cat. So you were a little bit more aware than I was that she was still missing because you normally bring them in at night. And so um, you had woken up quite early for it and we did expect to find her kind of cleaned up on the side of the road I think we thought maybe she um yeah that there'd been she had been in an accident but the we were thinking about so when yeah so when you came back from that recce and you obviously found her and you came running into the house there was quite a choke in your voice you, you know I could you sort of yelled my name and then you said Mabel's caught under a tree and I think you were pretty heightened at that point and feeling pretty urgent and worried so uh, I jumped out of bed I jumped out of bed and got Eddie banged on Eddie's door and got Eddie up and he jumped out of bed straight away he was half asleep but he got up straight away so we took off over to the gully um, but Eddie had gone just chucking on his slip-on Birkenstock shoes. So he, when we got to the top of the gully, I said, quickly swap gumboots. So I swapped and he took, put my gumboots on and I went back and found some solid shoes and he got down to the bottom. And then it was just a matter for me of ferrying towels and bits and pieces that were needed. Uh, but the main reason, we, the only reason we went to the neighbours initially was because Warren was keen to get uh, like a big long super bar or a big long a big extra long crowbar to mm. try and lever up this branch because it was so um, wasn't a massive branch was it? But it was absolutely stuck in place. And um, Wayne just happened to be up as well, and so he was he came over and helped. And um, the trees actually on Wayne and Amanda, our neighbour's property, and but we the borders so close and. We're all in it together. When you live on these little blocks and you've got gullies and things, if if a neighbour's tree goes down, you kind of all just pitch in and and help. But Wayne got beautifully stung as well as he leapt over the log. I got stung. I think Eddie might be the only one that didn't. Well, that's because he smelled. <laughs> so, yeah. 
It's lucky no one was allergic <laughs> to, to wasp stings then. Yeah, yeah, Well, the first thing that happened when I got Mabel passed up to me and we, I took her inside and was just giving her a cuddle, but the first thing that Wayne and Warren did was that they went and found the wasp killer stuff that they had and they dealt to the nest because the last thing we wanted was this kind of angry nest. So they did that pretty quickly while I was getting Mabel ready to take to the vets. So um, and getting a little cat cage. And, but she was very cold and very still, and she's not normally still. And, and she's definitely more Warren's cat than mine. She she lets me cuddle her, and she's quite friendly and sweet, but she doesn't sit on my knee or anything like that. So she's definitely the boy's cat. and But she let me hold her, and she was very cold and very quiet. Mm. So, um, so yeah, she was vet, pretty miserable. The vet mentioned as well was that uh, when – when we got her in there about half past eight, um, her internal temperature was, you know, nearly, well, two, two and a half, maybe, maybe nearly three degrees lower than it should have been. So it was um, you know, only just on 34, which is, uh, you know, not, this is, this is not a good state for a cat to be in, despite, despite the fact that she's particularly fluffy. That wasn't enough. And it was actually not, not a super cold night um, uh, overnight, but, um, you know, she'd been trapped there long enough to, to she was in trouble really cool down because one of the one of the issues was that yes yeah, she was very very cold and she was quite dehydrated even mm. after that length of time there which you know was was longer than it should have been and we, we had been standing on that bank quite a lot during Sunday afternoon you know showing people where the tree came down we had someone on our property at the time the tree came down and and they they a branch dropped on one big tree at the same time as this tree fell into the gully so there was a lot going on and um but one of the things that we sort of realised was that even though we'd been around that location, because the wind noise and things, even if she'd been calling out, we wouldn't have heard her. Um, It was only in the very quiet of the morning and there was no wind around that Warren actually heard her. So we feel really happy that we actually, you know, we did locate her because I wouldn't have thought to have looked under the tree because she does go off and have little adventures, but she's not a great tree climber. So we don't know whether she was up the tree and it fell or whether she was just hiding down the bottom of the gully and it landed on her. Yeah, she might have been spooked by that wind. Um, either way, I think people need to go and buy a lotto ticket. <laughs> <laughs> now, Warren, do you want to tell us a bit about how you feel about your cats, like your relationship that you have with your cats. You say how Kate bought you a bought you a t-shirt that says cat dad on it. Um, I can empathize with that. You know, I'm sort of the cat dad in my house. Um, uh, I'm I'm the guy who goes out looking for them if they haven't shown up in a few hours. Um, yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, how how is it for you? Uh, look, the, uh, I, I should explain as well that Cat Dad T-shirt, as well as having a you know a, a face value, um, is also a bit of a gender play. So it's a kind of a take on the whole crazy cat lady thing. Um, in any case, uh, look, I've always had, I've always grown up with cats. Always had cats. You know, my my mother was keen, uh, a keen, a cat lover as well. So we always had at least two cats growing up, and yes, and sometimes as many as three. That's getting a bit dangerous, though, isn't it? 
Um, three is three is just getting a bit over the top. Uh, so um, they've, they've just always been a part of my life. Um, and, uh, you know, they're clearly out here, they're also pretty, um, uh, pretty useful companion animals as well. They keep um, they're very attentive on, on rodents. Uh, and we've just got to turn a blind eye to them bringing in the odd um, blackbird or starling or whatever. Um, and, uh, and keeping them in at night, I think, moderate, moderates that as well. But they, uh, they, they do a good job for us. And they're, um, they're, you know, cats are funny. They're funny and charming. And, um, and uh, you know, they just, as I say, they just be, they've always been a key part of my life. They've got real personalities, don't they? And it sounds like Mabel has really bounced back and she's, she's back into a, um, a bit of her old character already um, just a few days after this incident. Well, it's fair to say, as Kate's probably, um, uh, as Kate's comments might have led you to, to think, um, uh, she's a, she, she can be a little standoffish. And if there's any good that's come out of this whole episode for her, um, I, I would have hoped that she would have been just uh, obscenely grateful and she would realise just, just how lucky she was to have, uh, have owners like us. And you know what? Servants. She's not. <laughs> she's, she's exactly as she was. <laughs> I think as a, uh, as a test of uh, Mabel's personality, because, you know, she's got, um, she's got um, her, her, uh, her little adopted brother, Alan. Alan's a great big boy cat. He's got masses of personality. He's sort of quite human in the way that he behaves. And he goes around the neighbourhood, visits all the neighbours, and, and, and is quite a big character. And Mabel's always been our more cat-like cat. Um, she, She's always been, um, yeah, slightly standoffish about things, um, but but very sweet. And she either likes people or she doesn't. She's very partisan about things. But um, I sent Warren a text because, you know, obviously Mabel had been taken off to the vet in the morning and they said, we need to keep her for the day and we need to do a full examination. And and the, the early report was that they didn't think anything was broken, and but there was, a you know, she was in danger for the hypothermia, sort of um, the coldness and, and the dehydration, but also the fact that when... Um, and Warren might be able to explain this better, but when the because he spoke to the vet, but when the muscles have been compressed for a long time, sometimes when blood flow is reinstated, that can cause some damage. Uh, but um, so I texted Warren in the middle of the day when I came out of a work meeting and said, "How's she going?" And I got this fantastic text back, which um, basically said something along the lines of, um, "You know, she's uh, they haven't been able to do too many blood tests." Mabel's being difficult, this is probably good news. And so that's kind of what she's like. Whereas Alan would have just succumbed to it. Mabel would have, you know, she she was already kicking up a stink about the vets grabbing her. So we, we thought that was a pretty good sign. You know, it's as much a traumatic experience for you guys as it is for her, isn't it? Yeah, to go to that whole rescue effort. Right. Oh, I, I thought she was a goner. I thought she would be an absolute goner. Yeah. And the challenge was um, as well with the, with the location was to get to her. Um, the, the gully has a really steep bit and you can't get down there. But so where the tree cracked and fell, you had to jump over the stump and go right around the side. And because the, the, the whole base of the tree had come up, there, um, there was just crumbly, crumbly dirt and clay everywhere. So every time you stepped on it, your feet were slipping out from underneath you and you were being stung by wasps at the same time. So to get down to where she was was actually... Um, yeah, it was a bit of a challenge. But Warren was like a demon. I was standing back up a little bit when I was bringing things up and back. He was just down there, absolutely going for it, chopping branches, lopping things, chucking the things. And Eddie was grabbing them and moving them on. And um, 
you know, he worked really, really hard to try and clear it to see what actually was happening. So he was he was a very, very focused and determined um, cat dad. He really was. Mm, without the t-shirt even. <laughs> yeah, you're a cat dad by default, aren't you? And um, yeah, but uh, I mean, it's um, it's it's a good example, I think, of how to um, how to treat your cats. How obviously you have you have a lot of care for them, and uh, you 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 want them to be able to exercise their personalities and um, have a degree of freedom. But at the same time, you don't want them out at night. Um, predating native birds particularly so so um, it's good that you um, take that responsibility and uh, would you say like more people should um, should be doing that or do you know other people who are doing that I have to say that I have uh, we've got lots of friends who do not keep their cats in overnight um, and I understand that <clears throat> um, and I uh, I would find it hard to be critical of that um, but I also um, have some sympathy with uh, Gareth Morgan's opinion, which is that there should not be cats in New Zealand at all. Um, and so I, I, and I understand that perspective as well. Uh, and um, I, I think in, in, uh, in future, and particularly with this Pest Free New Zealand 2050 initiative and the way that we're starting to think about New Zealand and New Zealand's um, largely endangered uh, native list of, uh, of, of uh, native birds, I think the future will be quite different from, from the present. Uh, and I think that um, the, um, I, th I think there will be restrictions both on the numbers of cats and the way that they are, um, the way that they, they live with us in future. And, and I think that, I think that's inevitable. I, I don't think that's um, that necessarily a thing I, yeah, have I have I um have I been uh, politically well, I correct? I think enough? you don't you don't have to be politically correct about it. But I I think we choose to bring our cats in at night because we know that they are um that they do murder, <laughs> they go out murdering. We just know that um about about cats and for all that they are our lovely pets and we're we're terribly fond of them and we do, would would we would rescue or do what whatever we could to make their lives happy. Um and and for them to be as expressive of their own personalities as possible we you know i would prefer it if people brought their cats in at night um but and, and we choose to do that but equally i mean i agree with you warren i think that there are steps being taken now in some communities where they're not having not allowed cats so warren and i have um a little family batch down in south canterbury at a at a, um, a reserve, just a little, they were fishing batches. So there's about 40 batches and it's near a river and it's near some dock land. And they have, they are now making a, um, a little bylaw for the people that own those batches that there's not to be cats out there because there's been a huge amount of effort to plant native trees and to try and regenerate and build that up. And so now if you are staying at the batch or you, uh, there's a few people that live there permanently, you can't have a cat. So I think increasingly, the way that we have pets is going to change. And and I know that there's lots of creative ways that people have their cats inside with um, outdoor rooms and play areas. And I prefer our cats to be able to roam and be exciting, but I also try to mitigate. Um, I think collars are a really good idea too, and we've never had success with collars. So, you know, <laughs> but I think a collar and a bell is also a really good safety if you if you can get one on your damn cat. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, closer to home, of, uh, of course, is that uh, peacock's development. 
which um, uh, and the developer there, I think, uh, has uh, you know has faced some some scrutiny over um, uh, over the role of cats in that community and in that landscape, particularly with uh, with respect to the um, the you know the the native bats that are in that location, uh, and that use that use that um, uh, that that site. So I, I think that's been a really interesting conversation to have been um, to have been wa to to, uh, to watch, uh, and I think it's it's um, it's progress. I think that's a really novel solution. I think it's going to be really interesting to see how that plays out. Mm, awesome, yeah. and but we still we still have our love for uh, Mabel. We love our little. We love our little Mabel, <laughs> and she always comes in at night. Well, pretty much, you know, ninety nine percent of the time she comes in, and uh, they're quite motivated by food. So we feed them quite late at night, partly for that reason to to get so, them in from yeah. It, and it's an it's an interesting question, really, is the you know the um, the relationship between cats and humans. Um, you know, how 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 long ago did cats become domesticated or Viewed from a from the other angle, given the amount of time, money, effort, uh, emotion that we invest into our animals, when did they domesticate us? There's a hell of a lot more cats in the world these days than uh, than there would have been otherwise. So um, maybe their um, maybe their success is uh, is because they've managed to convince us that we've domesticated them. Boots <laughs> on the other foot. <laughs> <laughs> I like that. I like that a lot. And look, the um, the only other thing I'd like to add. Would be that um, uh, when Mabel gets to hear uh, your piece, could you just mention to her, or she just needs to, to bear in mind the fact that she needs to be inside at night always, always. Thank you for listening to this episode of WTS Waikatoa. If you liked what you heard, you can follow the show on Facebook and find it wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks to Free FM, the Community Access Media Alliance, and New Zealand On Air for making this show happen.
Thanks for listening to this Free FM podcast. If you want to hear more content like this, you can support Free FM via Patreon. Head to patreon.com/freefm89 to find out more.